This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 128 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Our guest today is Rosa Smothers, Senior Vice President of Cyber Operations at Nobefore, where she leads Nobefore's federal practice efforts, including providing cybersecurity advisory services to civilian and military agencies within the U.S. federal government. From her humble beginnings with a used 8-bit home computer, Rosa's career included over a decade in the CIA, leading cyber operations against terrorist and nation-state adversaries. She served multiple tours overseas as a cybersecurity analyst and technical intelligence officer in the Center for Cyber Intelligence and the Counterterrorism Mission Center and was highly decorated for her service. She's a strong advocate and mentor for women starting their careers and is a member of Women in Defense and InfraGuard. Stay with us. We didn't have a lot of money, and back then, especially way back in the day, computers were very expensive. So um, my folks saved up and purchased for me a used Commodore VIC-20. So uh, that was that was kind of where I started um, and uh, learning to uh, navigate, you know, that sort of that command line environment and. Then eventually I had a system with a modem where I could dial out and uh, go on to bulletin boards. And then, you know, and uh, then came Internet accessibility. So right. uh, technology um, has just always been a passion of mine. And then as the industry grew, it, it then became, um, you know, more specific to IT uh, networking and you know, security my current CEO here at Nobeforce, Stu Showerman, uh, I worked for him at his previous uh, company, Sunbelt Software, where I was a sales engineer, which is sort of like pre-purchase tech support in a way. Hmm. And it was great because we had a huge suite of software at our beck and call for me to learn. So there was always a challenge. And that's the beautiful thing about computers and technology is you will never learn everything. Um, there's a constant evolution, um, you know, and now we're talking quantum computing and artificial intelligence. So there's always something to learn. And that's the beauty of our industry and, and why uh, myself and so many of my colleagues, we will never stop our, uh, we will never lose our passion for the work because of, you know, the, all of this ongoing uh, and ever-evolving cutting-edge technology. I want to uh, swing back to your most early days uh, briefly, and I- I'm curious, um, when you were presented with that first uh, computer, that first uh, 8-bit VIC-20, was that something that you were asking for, or was that something that your parents put in front of you, you know, on their own? You know, I don't imagine I asked for it because... Uh, you know, I wasn't a kid that asked for a lot of things because I I knew uh, money was often pretty tight. Mm. So I think um, yeah, it was very important for my uh, parents that I have the ability to learn and grow and be a good student. So, you know, my mother, uh, when I was a kid, she actually worked at a daycare center for an entire year to uh, save the money to purchase a piano for me. 
my mom and dad being the amazing parents they are, they just put the time, money and effort in uh, to save and sacrifice to give me these tools to to grow and learn. So I'm, I'm just very fortunate in that regard, certainly. The work that you're doing today, well, what is your day to day like at uh, No Before? You know, every day is a little bit different for which I am grateful. So I'm never bored, that's for sure. Um, so I I do a number of different things here. You know, I, my uh, area of expertise is what, what we call our federal practice efforts. So that's providing um, cybersecurity advisory services to civilian and military agencies within the federal government. We are working with a couple of lobbying firms uh, to better educate Congress on the need for security awareness training, um, certainly with uh, the ransomware, the rise in ransomware, the ransomware epidemic. Um, it's much more on Congress's radar now. So that's unfortunate, but good news in that um, we're able to further those efforts so Congress and our government can better understand their cyber. There's hardware, there's software, but there's the human element that we've not focused as much on as we should be. And so we're, we're moving very, making great strides in that regard. And then, you know, I, I am also involved in our cybersecurity research efforts, any in, internal cybersecurity investigative efforts, um, various forms of forensic analysis. So it's a smattering ranging from working with Congress to doing very highly technical work, which was, you know, more along the lines of the work that I did at the agency uh, in terms of the more high-end technical efforts. And, and you mentioned um, the agency. You had some background um, working in the government environment. Uh, yes. Uh, when 9-11 occurred, I decided that I wanted to uh, leave the private sector and go work for the federal government um, in an effort to, you know, I wanted to fight al-Qaeda. I wanted to work against the bad guys. And uh, so I... Um, I didn't have a bachelor's degree at the time because, you know, I've just always been good with technology. So I was making a very good living just fine without it. But I knew I needed my at least a bachelor's degree if I wanted to go work for one of the three-letter agencies. I left my job and uh, moved up to Tallahassee, Florida and attended uh, Florida State. And I did my junior and senior year there. And uh, I, I got an information studies degree with a uh, emphasis on computer networking, and then I minored in Russian because I just always uh, enjoyed the Russian language. Mm -hmm. And um, met a recruiter at a jobs fair who uh, was at the Defense Intelligence Agency. And I spoke with him. I was working on an honors thesis about um, information warfare. So they ended up uh, hiring me. Uh, as soon as I had graduated, so I moved up to small town Florida girl, moved up to D.C., and I worked at the Defense Intelligence Agency for about two and a half years. And during that time, I um, collaborated a great deal with my CIA counterparts, and eventually they wooed me over. And so I was at um, CIA for, I believe it's 11 years and seven months. Hmm. I had a lot of adventures, a lot of international travel, uh, met President Bush, met President Obama. I've seen a lot of amazing and sometimes scary stuff. I kind of got to the point where I decided, you know, I need to be back home and closer to my family. 
you know, I had done done my service to my country and I felt like I was at a good stopping point. And so I decided to come home and no more snow, which is always a benefit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. How do you describe your own leadership style? How how do you how do you lead a team? You know, one of the great things about having worked for over a decade at the agency is you truly get the best of the best training. So I've had a great deal during the course of that career, my Intel career of leadership and management training. It benefits not only your professional life, but I think your personal life as well. I consider my leadership style to be very collaborative. I think it's important to ask open-ended questions. It's important to know your people and, and not just their names, but who they are, what are their likes, what are their interests, what are their kids' names, to have that personal engagement as well. Because people's personal life affects them 24-7, so it affects their work day. They bring it into work with them. So it's, it's, I think it's um, important to understand that level of detail, that you're not dealing with a two-dimensional person that's there to serve a function. You're dealing with a human being, and there are a lot of layers to that. And also making sure to be clear on people's strengths and their weaknesses, because that's the best way to build a team, and that's the best way to ensure um, everyone is supported within that team, Um, that everyone is sort of a puzzle piece, and they all fit together and complement one another. And I think it's also very important to thank people for their effort. I would try to remember every day when I was managing uh, various teams at the agency, you know, at the end of the day, to thank them for their hard work that day. Um, Because sometimes it's, it's as simple as saying thank you, but it really does go a long way, especially when people are putting forth, you know, 110% constantly, which, you know, we do at the agency and we do here at No Before. It's it's interesting to me. I'm wondering for your perspective on the situation that I think we find ourselves in where um, there's a tremendous amount of competition for people in cybersecurity who have those skills. And so um, it's not uncommon to hear that that is a particular challenge for the government in recruiting and um, keeping people on board. Um, So it's a really interesting perspective that you share about some of those things I don't think we hear a lot about, like you mentioned training. You know, the, there are opportunities within government that um, maybe we don't hear about that much. Oh, that's that's very true. And we do, the federal government writ large, uh, I think, is um, struggling with a brain drain, if you will, because there are a lot of incentives in the private sector that the government can't necessarily offer or can't necessarily match. Uh, especially for uh, great tech companies like the Nobefores, the Apples, the Googles of the world. Government can't quite offer a lot of those benefits, but there are other aspects of um, federal service that are hugely beneficial. A lot of federal agencies, uh, to include CIA, provide tuition reimbursement. Not every company does that. Again, the, the richness and diversity of federal, the, the kinds of training uh, that can be offered um, for professional and personal betterment. And, you know, obviously when you're wor- working for a an, an espionage organization, there's the potential for international travel as well. So um, there are a lot of benefits either way. 
there are some huge cultural differences, of course, um, being in the federal government vice uh, the private sector as well. Some people appreciate that, others don't. It's a lot more of a, I would say, a structured environment. Here at No Before, you know, everybody, it's a tech company. We're all wearing shorts and blue jeans and, you know, mm. yoga pants. And it's, you know, very casual. Mm-hmm. You are not going to walk into a, a federal uh, office dressed the same way we do here, you know? So it's... Right, at least um, not twice, right? Yeah. Right, at least, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a good one, yeah. Uh, you, you might once and you'll live to tell, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, you know there are there are pluses and minuses, uh, great things to be grateful for on either side of the fence. So, but I also think the diversity of experience is important as well because I I think it's uh, made me a better person and a better uh, employee, uh, and I think that would would serve a lot of people if they wanted to serve their country in some way, shape, or form like that. You came up through uh, the industry at a time when there were very few other women. Um, And to this day, you're a strong advocate for women in cybersecurity. Why is that something that is important to you to spend your time on? What's the value that you get back from that? Uh, You know, it's... It's funny, people kind of look at it from an altruistic perspective, but I, but I kind of consider myself to be pretty selfish in this regard because it makes me feel good to help, <laughs> help, mm-hmm. um, help young people and women in the industry. Um, I did not have a mentor with cyber skills when I was coming up. I really didn't. Um, I certainly didn't have a female mentor. Um, so it's... It, it nourishes my soul to help others. Um, so, I I mean, just this week I've had three former agency colleagues and one person here at uh, Know Before uh, reach out to me and say, hey, I've got, I know someone that's coming out of military service. Would you mind um, talking with them about transition into civilian life? And uh, another person, um, a young woman, who uh, just is looking to diversify her skill sets. Um, and I don't always have the answers, but what I will I'll tell everyone is I might not have the answer, but if I don't, I can find someone who does. So that's the best thing that I can do to help people build out the tools in their toolkit, if you will. We all need multiple mentors. Again, with those sort of multiple skill sets I was referring to earlier. And so it's it's also, I think, sort of from a karma perspective, important to give back. So I've been very blessed to have amazing agency colleagues with whom I'm still in touch with that were mentors to me and are still mentors. Some of them have transitioned into civilian life as I have, and they still uh, serve as mentors to me. And so we try and sort of pay it, we all try and pay it forward by uh, supporting folks that uh, want to learn and grow and evolve. And, and you know, it's, I think certainly for those of us, you know, agency or for prior military, I view my work here as still working towards defending our, our country's private sector or public, defending our networks. Um, I want to make it as hard as possible for the Russians and the Chinese to get into a healthcare system, a bank system, make it harder for someone to steal uh, an elderly person's money 
via social engineering. So it's a different kind of service, but uh, if, if we're working to harden networks and make them tougher targets, then it's, um, that's the most fulfilling work that I could hope for. Yeah, it gives you the ability to, at the end of the day, when, when you go home, you can look back and say, um, you know, maybe I made a little difference in the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's that is how I feel, and it uh, and I see that difference. Uh, we get that feedback uh, a lot from our client base, so it's 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 great to uh, have that almost instant gratification. It's interesting to me to have seen this. Uh, I guess what I would describe as as a necessary shift toward the social engineering side of our defenses, toward the human side. I think partially because the technical defenses have gotten better. Yes. Um, but where do you see the future going for this? Is this what's on the horizon for you all, for yourself, and and the sort of things you're tracking at No Before? Well, you know, I think your point about uh, the technology has become so so good at sort of plugging a lot of the holes. Now it does sort of assume that the technology is implemented correctly. There are technologies that can be used to harden networks, um, but if they're not implemented correctly, um, then you're open to harm and you don't even realize it. There's a technology called DMARC, which stands for Domain-Based Message Authentication Reporting and Conformance, which is quite a mouthful, but it's, it's an email authentication policy and reporting protocol. And a lot of folks consider if they've got DMARC set up, they're safe, they're good to go. But it's sort of like assuming um, if you've built a wall around the castle that there are no holes in it or you can't mm-hmm. go over the wall. Um, because a lot of times those implementations are not 100% accurate and thus you can still get through. Or most companies, you know, uh, allow their employees to, from a corporate system, log on to personal accounts, webmail, Facebook, LinkedIn, what have you. So I can spearfish your company's IT admins, executive assistants, you know, quote unquote, high value targets via their social media accounts and still land on your network. So that's where the whole point of you know, technology implementation is great, but at the end of the day, unless individuals are smarter and savvier about the choices they make, or in this case, the links they click, you're still at risk. And the technology, especially when it comes to um, artificial intelligence and deep fakes, as this technology evolves, there will be a time where it will be virtually indistinguishable to know whether you're talking to a person or an AI system. And again, that's where um, making making sure your users are savvy comes in because you, you have to kind of your spidey sense tingles, if you will, mm-hmm. um, hit the pause button, literally or figuratively, pick up the phone and call the person and say, did you send this email? Is this your video that you just texted to me before you take an action that can compromise your phone, your laptop, your corporate system? So, I, you know, I, I especially think um, AI and AI as it relates to deep fakes 
It's a tool hackers are going to use. It's a tool that intelligence services are going to use against us as well in uh, information operations to sway opinions on you know, various issues, be they technical or political in nature, that will never go away. It will just, it will remain an evolving threat. It will never go away. You know, that's why understanding the nature of social engineering and um, maintaining that kind of healthy paranoia is so, so important. Our thanks to No Before's Rosa Smothers for joining us. She's one of the featured speakers at the upcoming Women in Cybersecurity Reception at the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. The event is hosted by The Cyberwire, and both Know Before and Recorded Future are sponsors. You can learn more about the event by visiting thecyberwire.com slash WCS. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web, Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Monica Tadros, executive producer Greg Barrett, the show is produced by The Cyberwire, with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.